Hey, as you're seated, go ahead and get your Bibles out tonight. Hopefully you brought your Bibles. Let me see your Bibles. If you've got your Bibles, lift them up, raise them. They could be like this, but I see a lot that are like this. It's okay. I'm carrying tonight. Praise God, the Word of God. But turn, turn with me tonight to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm excited to share this word. I've been feasting and dining on this word for about three months. I've been doing a series at the Middleburg campus. My name is Pastor Eddie. I'm the campus pastor at Middleburg. And so if you haven't been to the um, Middleburg campus in a while, you need to come on down and, and join us for a, a great party on Sunday morning or Wednesday nights. We're so excited about what God's doing in Clay County. Are you excited for what God's doing in Clay County? I am. And so we have a great time down there. I've been doing a study. We've just been walking through the Word, through the book of Hebrews. And about two and a half months ago, I stumbled upon what I believe is one of the um, greatest chapters in the Word. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to be there tonight. We're going to take a journey through the Word. Um, I don't feel like I'm supposed to preach tonight. I feel like I'm supposed to teach a little bit tonight. And so I just want to equip you with the Word because my opinion really doesn't matter but his word will transform your life. My thoughts, I think they're brilliant, but in comparison to the, word, to the word of God, it really doesn't even matter. So we're gonna get right into the word tonight. In Hebrews chapter six, many people are disturbed by this chapter, and I feel like Hebrews six was written to believers as you study and you get into this. And this chapter uh, describes... Um, Describes a lot of different things, but the theme is tonight, and I want you to grab a hold of this, is that God is calling the church back to repentance and back to the blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Is Jesus yours tonight? Give him one more shout of praise. And so we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of, and of faith towards God. And of instructions about washing and the laying on of hands. And resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Skip down with me to verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. And to love that you have shown for his name and serving the saints as you still do. I want you to underline that right now. Still do. God is not done with the church. He's not done with you. He's still calling us to still do, serving one another. We all are designed to be a part of the body and to serve one another. So if you are, if you are not serving somewhere in the church, you need to sign up today. Go ahead and grab a connection card. I have one right here in my Bible if you need one. And we can plug you in, get you connected. I, I believe that God has called all of us. Why? Because souls are counting on you to find your place. Souls are counting on you to find your place. So I got a connection card if you want one. Um, um, see me after church. I'll get you plugged in. We'll get you with James. And let's continue on. Verse 11. It says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Say end. Okay? We're not there yet. So don't stop doing. Don't stop serving. Don't stop being the church until you reach the end. In verse 12, so that you may, be, uh, may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. There's three things here in this chapter that I want to start off on. One is there's an appeal to the church. 
God is talking to the church. The, he's right, the writer of Hebrews is talking to the church. He's talking to you and me, those that belong to Jesus. And the theme here, like I said, is to talk about the uh, repentance and, and the assurance that we belong to Jesus and Jesus belongs to us. And so we are a part of the, of the, of the family of God. And so we find here... Um, uh, just so much that's in this scripture here. And I want to just look at this with a, the first question that I have for us tonight is this. How can we fall when God is holding us? How can we fall when God is holding us? Pastor Eddie, what do you mean by that? I believe that the enemy wants us to focus on the things that is around us that's going on in front of us. And takes our eyes off on who really is holding us. The Bible says that he is the potter, that we are the clay. And I know, I know some potters that are talented and all that, and they never really um, take their hands off the clay until they are finished with the project. And here's what I'm here to challenge you tonight, that God is not done with you. God is not done with you. He's not done with your marriage. He's not done with your, your spouse. He's not done with your children. He's not done with your career. He's not done with you But God, because God is still working out his perfection, his promises, his calling on your life and through your life and through your spouse, through your coworkers, through those that you can't stand. How many of you got some of those in your life tonight? Well, you need to turn them over to Jesus. But how can we fall? If we truly understand that we rest in the palm of God's hand. That he holds us. He holds all things together. That's who our God is. And so there's, there's many things here that I just wanted to grab a hold of. And we're going to get into it. I'm going to skip a little ahead in the message tonight. Because I really want to get to the end of the message. But we have to lay some foundations for it. See God here, he is calling the church to a place of repentance. And I believe that God is calling us back because when we come to a place of repentance, we come back to a place of dependency on Him. That we come back to a place that we understand that we can't do it on our own. We have to have the God of creation. We have to have the Redeemer. We have to have the Holy Spirit. Who needs the power of the Holy Spirit in their life? I do. And I tell, I tell Middleburg this all the time. I said the Holy Spirit is to empower you to what? To go and to be a witness to those around you. And so we see here that he's talking to these Christians here. Instead of going ahead, however, these believing Jews were tempted to lay again a foundation. And the six items in this foundation do not refer to the, the Christian faith as much as it refers back to the basic doctrines of Judaism. Facing the fire of persecution, these Hebrew Christians, just giving you the, the story, the, 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 the surrounding, the people he's talking to, these Hebrew Christians... They were tempted to fall by the wayside by forsaking their confession of Christ. And they have already slipped back into um, what I would say babyhood. They slipped back to that, that, that baby state of mind. And, and it starts off, let's lay aside the elementary things. It's time that the church grows up a little bit. And now they were prone to go back to, to their old way of thinking, their old way of, of living, to Judaism. And they were laying again the foundation that they had prepared, the, um, but they had prepared the way for Christ, the full light of Christianity. They had repented from dead works, referring to the works under the law. They had shown faith towards God. They believed the doctrine of washing, not baptism, but the Levitical washing there. We see that in Mark chapter 7. 
They, 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 they believe in laying on of hands, referring to the Day of Atonement there in Leviticus chapter 16. If you're taking notes, I'm giving you a law of this because I want you to go back to the Word. Don't take just because I'm behind the pulpit and I say it that it's found truth. I want you to go and rightly divide the Word of truth. It's talking about the Day of Atonement. Every true Jew held to a future resurrection and judgment. But I'm here tonight and I'm holding to the blessed assurance that my Savior is coming back again. He's coming back for a church that is without spout and without wrinkle. That I live today so that I can please God here on earth because tomorrow I may be with Him in heaven for all eternity. That's the assurance we have. Acts chapter 24 and verse 14 says, But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God. In this society, in this culture, we need to be a church that has a hope in the living God. That we just don't say it when we come together, but we live it out Monday through Sunday, every day, every moment, that we live out that hope that we have in God, which these men themselves accept. That they will be the resurrection both of the just and the unjust. You see, there's an appeal to all men. Jesus said, I came so that none would perish, but all would have everlasting life. It's the simplicity of the gospel. He came so that we can have life. But then we, we see, have you ever had arguments in your family? There's arguments in the family of God, too. That's the reason why we have a church on every corner. We do. I, I, I make an appeal to you tonight. Let's lay down the argument for argument's sake, and let's pick up our cross and just follow Jesus. Let's pick up our cross and follow Jesus tonight. In verse 4, it says, For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tested the heavenly gift, verse 4 of chapter 6, and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come. Have you tasted the goodness of God tonight? If you have, give Him a shout of praise in this place. Have you shared in the Holy Spirit tonight? In worship? His presence here? It says here in verse 6, And they have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they were crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up in contempt. For, the, for land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it produces a crop useful to those whose sake it cultivates, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless, nearing um, near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. The argument is here. Note that the beginning of this issue here is repentance, not salvation. He's talking about bringing. The, he's talking to the church. For if it is impossible to renew them unto repentance, that's what the scripture says. If this passage is talking about salvation, that it would teach that a believer um, who loses salvation cannot regain it. This means salvation dependent partly on our own works. And once we lose salvation, we can't never regain it back again. But the subject of this chapter is repentance, the believer's attitude towards the Word of God. How do we value the Word of God in our life? Does it still have the ultimate yes and the final word in our life? We got to understand that here he's talking in this chapter to not almost save people. 
but he's talking to true believers. There's the, the, the two um, key words in this, in verse 6, are fall away and crucified. Fall away is, is, is not the Greek word of apostasy, which we get our English word apostasy from, but it, it is, um, put it up on the screen for me here. I want you to write this down. It, it is that uh, paraputo, which means to fall beside, to turn aside, to wander. I believe that right now we have a, a, a group of people called the church and they are wandering in this hour. The Bible says this, you see the day draw near, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. The church, we got to, in this hour, we got to make it more important, not just for us. I love coming to church, but I love coming to church because my kids depend on it. Your children are watching you. Those that you love are watching you. We have to make priority to, again of coming together and assembling together. Why? Because the world is watching as well. See, this word here, which means to fall beside or to turn aside or to wander, is similar to the word there for trespass, which is found in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. If a man be overtaken in a fault or a trespass, a fall aside. See, verse 6 describes believers who have experienced the spiritual blessing of God, but who have, fall, who have fallen by the side or trespassed because of unbelief. My prayer for you tonight and for your family is that where unbelief once used to abide, that faith in God would take its place again. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come in and just stir up faith on the inside of you. Every victory is yours. Why? Because he rose. Because he reigns. And the, what I read, he still sits on the throne tonight. He still sits on the throne tonight. So here's the thing. Having done this, they are in danger of divine chastising and becoming castaways, which results in loss of reward and divine disapproval, but not loss of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? I'm not a runner, but Pastor Jordan is. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he's a runner. I pray for him. One day you will get to the finish line. I don't know where it is, only you do. But it says that we run a race and all the runners run. But only one receives the prize. If you're not running, you'll never receive the prize. So you're glad I haven't gotten the prize yet, I guess. Man. So run that you may obtain it. You are created to run the race. Let me sum it up the evangel way. You were you are created to run in the race to help others to encounter Jesus. That's just why we push for you to discover the gifts of God on this side of you and get into a place and use them for the kingdom of God. It says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do not do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. And verse 26 says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body to keep it under control. At least after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. That's the reason why I don't ask you to go and run with me. There's only two things that I run for. One, my wife calls me and I'm running to the phone to answer it. And two, there's a big dog chasing me. And I don't have to run fast. I just got to be running faster than the one that's with me. So if you trip them, they fall. You can slow down. But we got to run the race. 
Paul said, you were running so well, who caused you to stumble? Church, who calls you to stumble? It's time to move on from the stumble. I was watching a video on Facebook the other day, and, 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 and they, were, they were passing the baton in a running race. That's the only time that I watch it is when I'm looking for things, because running is boring to me. You run, and where are you going? I don't know, back to the car. But they were passing the baton, but they, in the passing of the baton, there was a stumbling that happened. And they had a choice whether just to quit or to go back, pick the baton up, and keep going. You may have had a, a stumble in your life. I'm here to encourage you tonight. Don't give up. Get back into the race. God hasn't called you to give up. He's called you to walk in victory. He's called you to be an overcomer. It's time that we get back in the race, church. We see this. God is calling us back to a place of repentance. In other words, here in Hebrews chapter four, um, 6, it does not teach that sinners, sinning saints cannot be brought back to repentance, but that they cannot be brought back to repentance when they continue in sin and put Christ to shame. Here's, my, here's, here's someone that should write down tonight. Believers who continue in sin prove that they have not come to a place of repentance. Let me say that one more time. I'm going to slow it down so you can grab a hold of it. Believers who continue to live in sin prove that they have not come to a place of repentance. If you continue in chapter 6, it talks about the land. The illustration of the field in verse 7 and 8 relates to the truth in the image of the testing of fires, testing fires of God. I'm praying for revival fire, but I'm also praying for the refiner's fire. If we want revival in America, it's got to start in the homes of the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10 says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I lay a foundation someone else is to build upon it. Let each one take care of what he builds upon. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, or hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it, but it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on it, the foundation survives, it will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Church, God saved us to bear fruit. And our lives one day will be tested by fire. What we do... That is, not approved of God will be burned up and it will not survive the fire. But note here in this scripture, it's not talking about the, 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 um, the field, but it's talking about the fruit. It's talking about the fruit. The believer is saved, yet so is by, uh, by fire. So the whole message of this difficult passage in this, Christians can go back in their spiritual lives and bring shame to, to Christ. What happens is when, when people wear the Christian shirt and their lifestyle doesn't match up to it. When they are living in sin, they can't be brought back to repentance. 
They are in danger of divine chastising. If they keep on in that sin, their lives will bear no lasting fruit. They will suffer loss at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm here to tell you that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day. We cannot use grace as an excuse to stay in sin. Old Testament, it showed you the, the wages of sin is death. New Testament shows you that the gift of God is eternal life. I'm thankful for grace, but grace raises the standard. Jesus said, you heard, thou shalt not commit adultery. But the, he said, I tell you, if you look on a woman, you committed adultery in your heart. Grace raises the bar. Grace raises the standard. And here's the thing. we got to make sure that our life is raised to the standard of Christ and not bring the standard of Christ down to our lives. Here's the thing. There's an appeal, there's an argument, but there's an assurance. There's an assurance that he... The writer closes this whole solid passage with an eternal security as we will find anywhere in the Bible. He points, first of all, to their own lives. And he reminds them that they had given every evidence of being a true Christian. Verse 10, I want you to look at this with me. And this is where we're going to park just for the next few moments. Because I believe that God wants to take us to the next level in our personal life. Who's ready to go to the next level? Can you hear me? Remember that that, uh, uh, Verizon or Sprint commercial? I think it was Verizon. Can you hear me now? As I was thinking about this, that that commercial came back. and And I just felt like the Holy Spirit says, can you hear me now? Have we been in this so long that his voice is just like another voice? Or does his voice have prom- priority in our life? In verse 10, it says this. I want to look at this. We're going to walk through this together. It says, for God is not unjust so as to overlook your work. No matter what you have heard, I'm telling you that his eyes are on you tonight. You can't hide things from God. Because he's not unjust, he's a just God. And he's not overlooking your work, he's looking at your work. And the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do, still do. You need to underline that in your Bible tonight. And in verse 11, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance, say assurance. Of hope until the end. So that you may not be sluggish. Another version says this. So that you may not be dull in hearing. But imitators of those who through faith. And the word that we don't like to use in church. Patience. Inherit the promises. See we find faith Hope and love described in these three verses here. These are the traits and the characteristics of a true believer. This should be part of the DNA of you if you call yourself the church. Faith, hope, and love. But he cautions them in verse 12. Not to be dull of hearing. Hearing there, sluggish is the same word. And you find it again if you go to um, uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. God has given his promises. We need only to exercise faith and, and patience to receive his blessing. Who want the blessings of God in their life? What did pastor say earlier? It's time to take a step of faith. 
Take a step in. You want the blessings of God? Then take a step of faith and just be obedient to the word. Walk in faith. But he then uses Abraham as an illustration of, of the patient faith. Certainly, a- Abraham has sinned. We know the story. But even, not only did he sin, he even repented one sin twice. Yet God kept his promises to him. As the worship team joins me tonight. Yet God kept his promises to him. After all, the covenant of God is not depending on the faith of the saints for their certainty. They depend only on the faithfulness of God. The covenants of God doesn't depend on the faith of the saints for their certainty. They only depend on the faithfulness of God. That's who our God is. God referred to the promise of Genesis chapter 22 by swearing by himself and then he settled it. Abraham didn't receive the promised blessing because of his own goodness and his obedience, but he did because of the faithfulness of God. Abraham experienced many trials and testing in their life, as did the original um, readers of Hebrews, but God saw him through it. He will not leave you nor forsake you. That's the promise. That's the covenant he's made with us. In verse 17, it says, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the, to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose... God never changes. But aren't you thankful that he's in the process of changing us to be more like him? Aren't you thankful that he doesn't just call us out of our mess and just leaves us there and says, figure it out. But no, he calls us out of our mess. He says, okay, now come and walk with me. Come and talk with me. Come and let me just communicate with you. Can you hear me? Let's walk. God wants to walk with you. Through this thing called life. The writers say that God did all of this for Abraham. That the heirs might know the dependability of God's counsel and his promise. And the question here is this. Who are the heirs? It's you and me. We're co-heirs with Christ. Not only are we heirs, but the scripture says that we are co-heirs with Christ. And so verse 18 it says, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible For God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. It's time to let go of the anchors of your past. It's time to let go of the anchors of of what you've heard your whole life. And it's time to anchor yourself to the one who never changes, who is steadfast, who is faithful, who is loving, but he's also just. We have this as a sure, steadfast anchor for our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. God hasn't called you just to stand on the outside. He's calling you to come in. And sometimes we can't hear God in our life because we just settle on the outside and we never come on in. As a kid, I remember I'd be down the streets playing with my friends and then all of a sudden I, I, I can hear my mom's voice calling me, Eddie! 
It's time. And the thing with my mom, you don't let her call your name more than once. Because every time after that, you would fill her hand twice. That was a full assurance right there. I testify. But here tonight, I want you to hear something. That there's two things that are not up for argument and not up for debate. Debate. These are two immutable things that gives us the assurance. One is this, God's promises. As the scripture says, they are yes in Christ and amen in Him. God's promises. He's a God that He cannot lie. We have His promise, but we also have His oath that God cannot change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this unchanging word of God and the unchanging person of God are all we need to assure us that we are saved and that we were we are kept for all eternity. Would you stand all across this place tonight? We have a hope, and his name is Jesus. You may be here tonight and you say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But I put my trust in some people and they've let me down. I'm here to to assure you this. You put your full trust and hope in Jesus. He never lets you down. He's never let me down. Others have abandoned me. Others have hurt me. Others have stabbed me in the back. Others have done all these things. But Jesus has never let me down. If he says it, he does it. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and Christ Jesus our hope. He is your hope tonight. How can we drift spiritually when Christ is, is the anchor of our life? We drift when we take our eyes off the prize and we quit running. We have a sure and steadfast anchor. We have a forerunner, Christ Jesus, who has opened the way for us. And if we stay the race, we too, we too will be with him in glory one day. God hasn't saved us not to be fruitful. He saved us to be fruitful. But one day, the fruit of our lives is going to be tested by fire. Tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. Maybe you're here tonight. You said, you know what, Pastor? I walked in here without hope. But someone's speaking to me right now, and it's not your voice. Let me let you in on the insight of that. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now. He's calling you to come to a place of surrender your life to Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to open these altars. We're going to bring you down. And maybe you're here tonight and you said, Pastor Eddie, you know what? I've been walking around with so many anchors in my life. So much baggage, so much other things tonight. But I'm coming with a purpose tonight that I'm going to let go of the anchors of yesterday. I'm going to let go of the anchors of my past. I'm going to let go of the things and the the struggles that I have. And I'm going to grab a hold of the sure assurance of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to grab a hold of Him. 
pastor, there's been, can I just be honest with you tonight? I don't remember the last time I heard his voice for myself. He met Paul on the road. He transformed his life in a moment. Samson. On his deathbed, he came to a place of repentance. He said, God, if you would just do it one more time. Maybe this is your one more time moment. But I believe that he's calling 100% of us to no longer stand on the outside. But he said, you were running well. Who caused you to stumble? It's time that we get to running again. We get back into the race. We find our place and we run the race tonight. Jesus is standing here tonight with a baton. He says, I'm ready to pass it to you. Are you ready to take it and run? He has a purpose for your life. If that's you tonight, you want to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you've been on the outside. You've been in this place in your walk with Jesus for a long time. But you hear tonight that the Holy Spirit said, I haven't called you to stay there. I called you to come closer. Or maybe tonight you were once running, but it's time for me to pass the baton to someone else. And Jesus said, no. It's time for you to take the baton and begin to run again. I want you to get out of your seats right now and join me at the altars. Come, 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 come. If you're not in a place to serve me right now in the church, you need to be here asking the Lord, what, where, where's my space? What baton are you passing to me right now? Just all lift our hands across this place tonight. Maybe there's there's pride that you need to repent from. We need to come back to a place of repentance. Maybe there's unforgiveness you need to let go. Maybe there's hurt from the past you need to let go. Maybe you were overlooked and, and it hurt you and you just need to let it go. Because God's got something better for you.
Wake 
starting school tomorrow um, and I want you to just come down here come down into the front we want to just pray over all of our students amen uh, we believe in pleading the blood of Jesus amen and declaring a hedge around them and we just want to pray and believe for an incredible year this year that this will be a year of destiny for students as the enemy has been attacking this generation like never before we want to pray that God will just raise up Actually, y'all come up on the stage with me. Y'all just come up on the stage. Come right up here. Y'all come on up. Come on up. We're going to stretch our hands out. And if our pastors and some of our leaders, if you'll just come up here. And I want us to pray one with another. Um, any of our deacons, y'all can come up on the stage as well. And I, I just believe we've got to pray. Prayer changes things. Prayer shifts things. And we can declare in faith that God is going to do some incredible things. I'm believing for revival. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. The future looks bright. Amen. The future looks bright. Come on. If you would, just stretch your hands and some of our leaders, deacons, prayer team, and pastors, y'all come on up here. Let's just begin to pray for all of these students. Father, and any of our faculty, if you're here as well, um, if you're an administrator or teacher or anything like that, come up here and you can get prayer as well. Father, we just come before you tonight and we just declare that God over every single one of these students, God, that as they get ready to go back to school tomorrow, God, we thank you that the best is in front of them. Father, we declare a spiritual hedge that would be round about their lives, that Father, the enemy would not be able to come in and deceive or to beset them, but Father, you would guard them you would protect them. You would keep them from every attack that would seek to come in. And Father, we don't want to just be on defense, but Father, we declare that this generation will be on offense. God, that this generation will take ground spiritually in these communities. That God, this would be a generation that is salt. This would be a generation that is light. That they would let their light shine in every hallway, and every cafeteria. That your glory would radiate in and through their lives. Father, we just declare the blood of Jesus to be over them. That, God, there would be a physical hedge of protection. That no harm, no danger, anything would befall them this year. But, Father, we pray that we would see your glory overtake them. Father, we prophesy over this generation that, God, there are world changers. There are pastors and missionaries. God, people that will do incredible feats in the kingdom as they stay focused on the call and the task that is at hand. God, we thank you for what you are going to do in and through them. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise tonight. And I want us to thank Pastor Eddie. I lost you. Where's Pastor Eddie at? Over there. I want us to thank Pastor Eddie for an incredible word tonight. Come on. Good word. Good word. Amen. We've got to take what we've learned, go apply, and run with it. Amen.
This week as we go, we live on mission. We're salt, we're light to help people encounter Jesus. Father, we thank you for this evening. God, we thank you for what you're doing for every life that's been touched and changed. And Father, we just surrender our lives to fit your purpose, your call. And this hour, God, for you've appointed us for such a time as this. We give you our lives tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you Wednesday.